Today's reading comes from the book of Nehemiah, commencing at chapter 3. Organization of the work. Then the high priest, Elishib, set to work with his fellow priests and rebuilt the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set up its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hanel. And the men in Jericho built next to him. And next to them, Zacherson, Zacher, son of Imri, built. The sons of Hazanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set up its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Next to them, Merimoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakoz, made repairs. Next to them, Mishalam, son of Bereshia, son of Mishalabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, son of Bana, made repairs. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord, their Lord. Joadah, son of Pasha, and Mishalam, son of Bethotiah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and set up its doors, its bolts and its bars. Next to them, repairs were made by the Milatah, the Gibbonite, and Jadon, the Meronithite. The men of Gibeon and Mishab, who were under the jurisdiction of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, son of Hasiah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. Next to him, Heniah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Next to them, Jedahah, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house. And next to him, Hattash, son of Hashabelnah, made repairs. Mount Hijah, son of Haram, and Hassan, son of Pahathamoab, repaired another section, and the Tower of Ovens. Next to him, Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his daughters. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set up its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall, as far as the dung gate. Mashijah, son of Rishab, ruler of the district of Bethchah, Chitirim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set up its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, son of Kolizes, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set up its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nimaha, son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bezur, 
repaired from the point opposite the graves of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the warriors. After him, the Levites made repairs. Reham, son of Bani. Next to him, Hashbiaha, ruler of half the district of Kilah, made repairs for his district. After him, their kin made repairs. Benui, son of Hinadad, ruler of half the district of Kilah. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of the Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the accent to the armory at the angle. After him, Barak, son of Zadbar, repaired another section from the angle to the door of the house of the high priest Elishib. After him, Mermoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakoz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishib to the end of the house of Elishib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, made repairs. After them, Benjamin and Hajob made repairs opposite their house. After them, Azariah, son of Mashiach, son of Anihah, made repairs beside his own house. After him, Benianson, son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Isaiah to the angle and to the corner. Palal, son of Uzai, repaired the opposite, the angle and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king of the court of the guard. After him, Pediah, son of Parosh, and the temple servants living on Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate on the east and projecting tower. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, son of Ima, made repairs opposite his own house. After him, Shimaha, son of Zekinah, keeper of the east gate, made repairs. After him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanon, sixth son of Zalap, repaired another section. After him, Mishalam, son of Berishiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. After him, Malshijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple of the servants and of merchants, opposite the muster gate, to the upper room of the corner. And between the upper room of the corner and the street gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. Hostile plots thwarted. Now, when Shambalat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he mocked the Jews. He said in the presence of his associates and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish and burnt ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, that stone wall they are building, any fox going up on it would break it down. Here, 
O our God, for we are despised. Turn their taunt back on their own heads and give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have hurled insults in the face of our builders. So we rebuilt the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. For in Shalabat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard they were repairing the wall of Jerusalem, it was going forward, and the gaps were being, uh, to be, uh, beginning to be closed, they were very angry and all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. So we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. But Judah said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing and there is too much rubbish so that we are unable to work on the wall. And our enemies said, They will not know or see anything before we come upon them and kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived near them came, they said to us ten times, from all the places where they live, they will come up against us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears and their bows. After I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your kin, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that their plot was known to us and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows and body armour. And the leaders posted themselves behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. The burden bearers carried their loads in such a way that each laboured on their work with one hand and with other held a weapon. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread out and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Rally to us whenever you hear the sound of of the trumpet. Our God will fight for us. So we laboured at the work and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night inside Jerusalem so they may be a guard for us by night and may labour by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor my, the men of the guard who followed me ever took off our clothes, each kept his weapon in his right hand. Hear the word of the Lord. The Bible reading. (laughs) That's about the toughest Bible reading you're ever going to get in church, isn't it? As long, 
difficult names and you did so well, David, thank you. Uh, it gave us a picture of what uh, God was up to under Nehemiah in Jerusalem. Uh, the work of rebuilding uh, in Jerusalem was a big job. Uh, I'm not sure what your map of we're going to get it up very shortly. Uh, I'm not sure what your understanding of the layout of Jerusalem looks like, but I've got a few pictures that will take you through and give you an understanding of what Jerusalem is like as a town. Uh, we, we heard about some of the names that are pointed out in this map, and I'm going to give you a 3D picture. So the, the Temple Mount, the temple area stands significantly above the rest of Jerusalem. Uh, we have uh, the part of the city where the, the houses of priests and more official people will be uh, through this section here, uh, so the temple up the top. And then we have the outer wall and lots of residences that would, would have been there outside the main wall. The, the main work they're doing is on this wall that goes around here, but it's not, it's not a small section of wall and it's not a short section of wall. And... Uh, so they've got, a, they've got a lot of a challenge in front of them and not many workers. Here you see the, the sheep gate, uh, so a little gate there. And so these are significant walls. They're, it's a significant building project that they're doing in restoring uh, the walls. Uh, you heard of the fish gate and we see some of the different sections of the wall that they were building uh, and the old gates, so they were rebuilding gates and sections of wall. And we heard in chapter 4 that they got halfway up. And so this is a tall wall. And they all around, uh, in chapter 4, they were halfway up around the wall. Uh, the sections of the wall, uh, which they had to adapt because the, the rubble was so great that they had to build new sections of walls. And so it talks about in the chapter the different angles uh, we have uh, so some distances there. Uh, so, you know, 1,000 cubits, I think, is, is about 500 meters. Uh, they're not small sections of walls, and these are walls that you can walk on top. So they're not thin walls. Uh, the valley gates being repaired by a different family again. Uh, Salome Pool is a pool that you can go and visit today in uh, Jerusalem, the, the King's Garden, significant spot. In chapter 2, uh, we heard that Nehemiah was unable to get uh, through this gate uh, because there was so much rubble hanging around. And so here we have more gates, more walls, more towers, all part of the building project. And so what you see on this map is actually... Different colours representing all the different families, all the different groups, the, like the men of Jericho here, uh, Zekur, Merimoth, uh, all the people that have built different sections of the wall, rebuilt different sections of the wall, uh, those that have built gates. So a lot of people took part in the work. Uh, you, you may have heard the name, uh, the Tektoites, uh, Tekoites here. Uh, they did building a couple of times, uh, only... <laughs> The nobles of the Tekoites refused to bear anything on their shoulders. 
How would you like to be recorded in the Bible as the ones that didn't help out in God's rebuilding of Jerusalem? Well, that that was unfortunately, if you trace your lineage back to a Tekoi, that's the legacy of your ancestors. Um, there's no one here today with that. I'm pretty confident with that origin. Uh, so the message of this, the, that everyone is participating, is that everyone builds. Uh, we, we see uh, the daughter's of one of the officials were helping out, the goldsmith was helping out, the perfumer was working on the wall. It wasn't a matter of what their skills were in the natural world. As part of this building project, they were working together on what was right in front of them. And so as we think about us as a church, we're not doing a physical building project, we're doing a spiritual building project as Jesus is building his church. The same concept applies. Everyone builds. There's work for everyone to do. In in fact, for them, uh, a lot of them had their houses uh, right in front of the wall. And so you you heard of some of them building the section of wall right in front of their house. And that's easy for us to understand. There's a wall right in front of you. Your job is to build what's in front of you. And so for us, when we think about everyone builds and it's a spiritual building project, it's We take part in the building of what God has set right in front of us. We build up each other in love. Uh, We do the work that God sets in front of us as the people of God. Uh, Paul, uh, when he's in one of his letters, says, I do the work of an evangelist. Now, Paul's key gifting was not as an evangelist, but he does the work of an evangelist. And what he recognizes in that is being a Christian in this world is not uh, sit back, relax, and just enjoy Uh, until God returns. It's actually God's got us on board for a project in this world and his project is bringing the kingdom into this world, his kingdom of love. And he wants to see this world transformed by love. And we take part in that project. We each have a role to play and I think the first role that we have to play is working on the wall right in front of us. Uh, Working on the wall that is us, that's part of God's building project for us as the people of God. We see in these chapters that building generates opposition. Building generates opposition. Sambalat and Tobiah, as soon as they see that the building is going up around them, they, they really start arcing up. Why? Well, their whole world was built around the fact that they were bullies. Jerusalem was their target. And they, Jerusalem submitted to them because they'd given up all hope. And for them, it was a resource of power and wealth. Suddenly, walls are going up, and where they got their sense of identity from is taken away, and so they're angry. Building generates opposition. When things change, when our world changes around us, it, for all of us, can generate a sense of opposition within us particularly when it's not the change that we most wanted. Like, that's just what happens. Opposition can come up within us, but opposition also comes from outside. As we do the work of God, I can guarantee you that you will experience opposition. Uh, When we talk about opposition, our our war is not against flesh and blood, and so most of our opposition is not going to be people coming and protesting against the work of the, the church. Most of the opposition we're going to experience as Christians is the enemy coming against us. Now, if you think about what what is your weak point, the enemy 
He's not a hard worker. He's a strategic worker. And so he goes for our weak points. Maybe you don't have a strong uh, confidence in your own ability and God's calling you to step up and do something that's outside your general comfort zone. You're going to experience opposition in that place and you're going to feel insecure. Those thoughts that remind you that you're not good enough, your, your skills are not good enough, they're going to come back because the enemy loves to bring opposition. And when external pressure comes, when you challenge things by doing what you're not normally comfortable in doing, our weakness is generally exposed. And so if you find that you're easily angered by things, the enemy will target that and let anger overcome you such that you get distracted from what's right in front of you. And so that's the way the enemy works. He brings opposition to us as we step into doing something good for God. And so if as a church we're planning on doing something in terms of growth, we can expect that we'll experience opposition. And unfortunately, the enemy uses us sometimes as people to be opposition to others. Now, the perspective that we're called to take as Christians when we experience opposition from other Christians is actually to love them. To not uh, see ourselves as being victimized and targeted, to think about them the way that God thinks about them and to encourage that up and out of them. Our prayer is essential, but so is action. You saw in this passage that they had swords and shovels. And, and so as they were digging with their shovels or, or building the wall, they had their sword strapped to the side or their sword in one hand and they're working with their other hand. That's the, call, the way that we're called to live as Christians. We pray the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We read God's Word. It's in our hands. It's at the forefront. It's a tool that we use. But then we actually need to get on with the work. We need to do the things that are hard, the, the things that require something of us as we partner together in doing the work of God. Of God. But, so prayer is essential, but so is action essential. And we see Nehemiah, he's so strategic. He's, he's a great leader. He's leading a disparate group of people who are downtrodden uh, by an enemy and he's getting them all to work. And he's got 45 different sections of wall <laughs> Uh, not enough laborers. The, the daughters are chipping in and helping in. Everyone of every age uh, is participating in what God has for his people here. And so we can expect that at some level we're going to experience opposition. We can expect that the enemy will even uh, work through simple things such as technology. And so when... I got to Saturday night last week and I realized that the sound had just died halfway through the recording, when, which I'd done on Saturday for us on Sunday on the YouTube, if you've tuned into it. I all of a sudden thought, oh no, this is impossible. I'm just going to have to give up. We, we can't resolve this. Went away, had a cup of tea, prayed about it, came back and managed to resurrect it. But you'll notice halfway through the audio drops off. I don't think... It's any accident that the enemy can sometimes use technology to get in the way of us doing the work of growing spiritually. Uh, the, the enemy generates opposition. But opposition requires resources, right? And the, Satan only has limited resources in this world. And so the way that he likes to constrict us as 
the people of God is through the songs that we sing. That little refrain that you heard them sing uh, around, they're just going to come and attack us, they're going to destroy us before you even know it, they'll be on top of you. That in the Hebrew is like a song. And so that was something that they would sing. And that was something as they sung and spoke out over their community that formed part of their identity. And so the enemy didn't even need to come because they weren't going to start because what they believed got in the way of them actually even starting at all. And so the enemy would like to use a cobweb or framework of lies to trap us. Uh, I heard a really interesting story uh, from a leader this week, and he talked about how in his workplace, uh, he regularly used to have these little games with other guys, used to play pranks on them, and they'd try and trap or catch each other, uh, surprise each other with a prank, and one morning, he he got in there, 8 o'clock, and he felt his spidey senses go off. And he realized that one of the guys had already been in and he was hiding in a cupboard ready to get him. And so he went up to the cupboard door, quickly put his foot on the door, trapped the guy and he says, you're trapped, I've got you. You're going to be stuck in the cupboard for the whole day. You're never getting out today. Bad luck, you lose. Right, I'm grabbing a chair. And he looked around and he couldn't see any chairs. And he jiggled the doorknob. He said, I'm putting the, the chair under the doorknob. You're trapped. You're not getting out. There's not a chance. He rattled the door a few times just to pretend show and the guy is begging he's saying oh don't let me get stuck in here I'm gonna need to go to the toilet soon don't let me get stuck and he walks away he's like tough you're stuck in here and the guy thinks there's a chair doesn't even try the door Uh, about an hour later the guy has to go into a meeting he's got some marriage preparation and he says all right you're gonna have to be quiet for a little bit I've got to do some stuff and I'll you know, be back to check on you later. And he's in this marriage preparation meeting and he hears these sort of thumping inside the roof. The guy's crawled up inside the roof and he's looking for a way that he can get down and he appears above the, the marriage preparation meeting and the couple that are having their marriage preparation done don't know whether to laugh or be serious or even what's going on. And he says look, you're disturbing our marriage prep. You're just going to need to wait until we finish. The door is still open. And that's the way the enemy likes to work with us. He'll want us to go convoluted ways to try and get out of a problem that's just a lie that we've been believing that's constrained us to be there. As we seek to build as a church, Everyone has a role, but lies will constrain what we think we can do. Insecurity will constrain what we think we can do, and what needs to come against that is truth. We speak truth to each other as we encourage each other, as we speak out and tell each other what you're good at, what God's called you to do, who he's called you to be. Uh, We receive truth as we go through scripture together, as we invite God in prayer to remind us of truth, and as we believe the truth, the truth sets us free. And Jesus says, I've come for freedom. For freedom, I've come. That you would experience the freedom that has already been bought for you. It's as we're talking about in communion, that Jesus once for all has died to set us free from sin. And yet it's this ongoing process 
of us understanding the truth of what God has already done, believing the truth about ourselves and then living out that truth in this world. That's how it works. But there's this opposition within that we experience and we need to be aware of that. Someone asks you to do something and you go, I'm not really a wall builder. Well, remember remember the Tekoites whose name's written in the book of they wouldn't shoulder the burden. I, none of us want to be that people. We, we're all a, the family of God together and we want to shoulder the burden together and sometimes that involves us doing things that aren't our favourite things, uh, us working harder than we perhaps want to work, uh, us partnering together and doing what's in front of us. Now, we need to consider the why. We need to consider that actually for us, what, what is right in front of us is worth not just preserving, not just we like this church, we like gathering here as the people of good God, but actually it's worth building. What we know in Jesus is worth other people knowing about. Now, telling other people about Jesus, that's hard work. I, I think 99% of us here will find it difficult to, one, share our faith, to share what it means to know Jesus and to follow Jesus and what Jesus did. That's difficult. We're going to spend some time looking at that uh, some of our weeks so that we can actually do the work of growing in these skills that may not be our skill set. We may think of ourselves as the perfumer of Nehemiah's day, but actually we're all called to do the work of evangelism. We're all called to do the work of building community and training and participating in training is that space where we all grow. And we all grow together. We find it difficult and we fail. And failure's okay. But when we take on the, the attitude, we take on the attitude that they had where uh, <laughs> 10 times they say, it's, you're not going to build it. It's too hard to build where we become the voice of dissonance, we discourage each other. But where we become the voice of hope for each other, that's who we're called to be in Jesus. So who protects the walls? I wonder if you thought about that. Who protects the walls of our church? Are we standing at the walls with our, our sword and our shovel building? Actually, Jesus is our protector. We're just called to stand. And sometimes it's the work of standing as opposition comes, but we're confident in Jesus who works for us and works with us. Uh, you may have heard one of the parables that Jesus told about how uh, a strong man's in a house and to get the strong man out of the house, you need a stronger man to come in. And if you get the stronger man to come in and to kick out the strong man and you leave the house empty, then someone else or the strong man who was there already is going to come back and say, Look, we need more people in the house because this strong guy is going to come. So we need more people in the house in order to protect us from this strong man coming again and kicking us out. Well, what's that about? Jesus is talking about how he's the strong person that comes in and kicks the evil one out. So as God's kingdom expands, the, the evil one is being kicked out of this world and he's losing territory. He wants to come back into that territory so we experience opposition. But who pushes back the opposition, Jesus. When Jesus is at the center of our worship, at the center of our lives, he guides us by his spirit so that we may walk in alignment with him 
and so that darkness may be pushed back by him. Do you know when we sing, the enemy does not like that. <laughs> and that pushes back darkness. Not only the darkness without, but the darkness within. And so gathering as God's people to encourage each other, to sing, to worship, to learn, is part of us trusting in Jesus as the one that not only expands the walls, but protects the walls. So what's our task? To join in with what Jesus is doing in this church. We're going to experience opposition, but we get to build together as the people of God. And that's a great joy and excitement for me to lead you in that. And as we see God work in us, which I believe we will over this year, we will be filled with joy and excitement. But it's a partnering together and encouraging each other, realizing opposition will be there, but not being overcome by it, as we work together, partnering in the building of the kingdom of God here at St. Barnabas. Let me pray. Uh, Father God, thank you that you love us. And thank you that you love us so much and you trust us with the work of uh, building your church with your son, Jesus. I thank you that he leads us, that he encourages us, that he equips us, that he strengthens us. Thank you that he gives us each other, Lord, to face opposition and to do it uh, with grace and and mercy on our side. Uh, Lord, help us to have eyes to see each other, to love each other. Uh, Lord, where we're framed in, By lies, help us to see the lies that trap us, uh, remove the the cobwebs, Lord, that uh, restrict us. Uh, We we pray, uh, Lord, those uh, false frameworks that the enemy sets up around us to restrain us from being who we're called to be in Jesus will come down in Jesus' name. Uh, Jesus, strengthen and renew us as your people. Fill us with your spirit. Set us apart with gifts and energy and life to do your work, our work, as your people in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.